Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. As we began last Sunday, and I had the privilege of speaking here, and so I have the privilege of speaking this Sunday, uh, we said that for centuries, Christians around the globe, they have used the four weeks leading up to Christmas um, to prepare themselves for the celebration of Jesus' birth. And uh, we find that throughout scriptures, both in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, we read about the promise of a Messiah, the advent of the Son of God, Jesus himself. And this is, yes, it is one, one event that we globally, historically speaking, we celebrate. But I have to say this, this is probably one of the most important events in all of human history. It is. That the eternal God, just for a moment, just think about this. The eternal God, the creator of the universe, would become incarnate would dwell among us here on earth. And he would share with you and with me and of all of the people of the world, the love, an extravagant love. And he would take upon himself your sin, my sin. He would die a gruesome death on the cross. This eternal God would love us so much that he would die and that he would give us new life. This is what we are about to celebrate. This is what we are anticipating when we come into the Christmas season. Is the eternal God, the creator of the universe, becoming one of us and dwelling here with us? So last Sunday... I had the chance to, to provide, by the work of the Holy Spirit, one of the life-giving components that we find in the season of anticipation. And the word that we were looking at was the word of hope. And the Hebrew word for hope is yakal, yakal. As, as, as David says in Psalm 130, I wait, and that is kava. I wait upon the Lord even more, more, more than the watchman in the morning. I kava for the Lord. I wait upon the Lord. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for the yakal, the hope of the Lord, that he would pull me out of my sinkhole of despair and hopelessness, and he would pull me out because he is on the other side of the rope, and he was going to pull me out out of my hopelessness, and he would set me on a firm foundation. So I wait, I kava for the Lord, and I wait for the yakal that the hope Jesus being the hope of the world, that he's going to bring a new life into all of us. So this morning, we're going to look at the second life-giving assurance that we have in the season of anticipation, and that is that Jesus is our peace. If Jesus is our hope, then he is also our peace. 
Now, let me just quickly say the, a couple things about the word peace. Peace is used in most languages in the world and is known as, as being as a peace treaty, or we would talk about peace as a time of peace. We're praying for the peace in Ukraine. We're paying, praying for the peace in the world. And so what we're praying for is that there would be an absence of war in this world. So for many of us, we would associate peace with the absence of war. But the word peace can also refer to as the absence of conflict. In human relationships, it's the absence of conflict. But when we read in scripture, the word peace means a lot more than just simply the absence of conflict or the absence of war. It means that there is something more and greater to be received from the eternal God that is just simply feeling comfortable and at peace. This is how we were to use peace. So in the Old Testament, they would use in Hebrew the word What is the word for peace in in Hebrew? Shalom. As the New Testament was written in Greek, it would be used, the word is, in Greek is, Irene or Irene. That's what the word in Greek is, Irene. So the most basic meaning of shalom is being complete or whole. and And the word can refer to, and this is kind of what I have here, the word could refer also to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. A stone wall that has no missing bricks, it is complete. Uh, this past fall, we've been living in our home for some 37 years. And when we built it, we decided to put reclaimed brick in the front of the house. So 37 years have gone by, many snow, many winters have gone by, cold winters. And so the mortar is falling out of the, out of the stones, the bricks, so this fall, I had to go and recock, fill in the gaps because I said, oh man, there's a whole bunch of stuff gone. I'm sure mice will come in here. That's where, probably where we are, why we have mice in our house. But there's something about that is missing. And so I start caulking, cleaning it up, filling in the gaps. What I was doing, literally, I was doing shalom to my house. But really not to my house. I was doing shalom to myself. Securing that there would be no mice. That's what I was doing. So the state of shalom is something that the kings in the Old Testament needed to actually provide to the people of God. Is securities. Knowing so well that while they were always be at war, the king was actually king so that he could provide security to the people of God. But while the kings were not doing their job, The prophet Isaiah, and so would the prophets come up, and they would rise up, and they would talk about a prince of peace that would come and restore the hope that was lost, and that he would rebuild, and he would restore what was broken. And so in the Old Testament, we read about a covenant of shalom, a covenant that would make all things that were wrong right. And that what had been broken would now be replaced with something much better than what it was before. So in essence, the meaning of shalom, when you use it as a verb, literally it means to make complete and to restore. To make it complete and to restore. So so King Solomon brings shalom when he completed the temple. So that was part of that. So even if you would read about if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field or your dog goes into your neighbor's yard, 
you're supposed to do shalom. And you need to actually go back and repay the damages, whatever the dog has done to your neighbor. You need to go and, and replace it. You need to make it good. So, in essence, peace is bringing what is missing, replacing it, making it better. So the Apostle Paul, and, and I will invite you to open up your Bibles, and if you have it with you or in, on your phones, in Colossians chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 19 to 23, and we're briefly going to be looking at this passage this morning as we're looking as Jesus is our peace. Paul writes the following, verse 19. So he is, and that is Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And here is, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And then he says, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The mortar, the bricks are holding together in him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to what? To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, on heaven, making peace, shalom, irene, by the blood of his cross. And then you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled, he has fulfilled, restored in his body of flesh by his death on the cross in order to present you. Us, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So if indeed, so now you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the yakal, the hope of the gospel, that is in Jesus Christ that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, on which I, Paul, became a Minister, an ambassador of that yakal. So Jesus comes into this world to fulfill that which he has created and it is broken. And he comes and he restores it back unto him. So there are always two basic questions when it comes around Christmas story, which as a child I have always wondered about. So why do we celebrate Christmas? What is so meaningful and special about Jesus' birth here on earth? Well, here it is. The question is, the answer to the question is, is for centuries we have talked about the incarnation. Simply said, what is Christmas? It's the incarnation of an eternal God who became human. It's a mystery. But that's what we celebrate. And the question would come, so why did the Son of God have to come into this world? Simple said, he came to bring shalom. That's what he did. He came to restore what was broken. He came to do that. Uh, Do you remember the well-known song that we do sing sometimes still? 
Hark the herald angels sing. I don't sing well, but that's why the angels sing it. <laughs> Charles Wesley wrote that. And he says, peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That's what Jesus came to do. Is to reconcile us unto him. That's what we do in the advent or in the season of anticipation. Is thinking and pondering on this basic truth and fundamental truth. Is that this eternal God came into this world. Your world, my world, our world in which we live. Broken as it is. To reconcile us once more again unto the father. That's the mystery. That is what we are anticipating. And so while he did become human, it says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 again, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you and me blameless and above reproach before him. Here's the challenge, which we all are, by default, we do this all every single Christmas. So we think we can make a better world by simply buying gifts and gifting each other gifts. And so we hope that we can do a much better job than Jesus did on the cross by making really peace with everyone else, by gifting. And if we got angry with someone, so we gift them for Christmas, a bigger gift so that everything could kind of wash and clean up, right? Do you remember in July 13, and for those kind of a little bit older, in 1985, in the Wembling Stadium, there was a telethon. The concert, Live Aid, was to raise awareness for the famine victims of Ethiopia. Anyone remember that? Yeah, man. It was broadcast around the globe 245 million laters. There was being sent out to Ethiopian people to rescue them. And there was a song that was united all the artists and all the participants. And it says, we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a much brighter day. So let's start giving. So th- we, we believe that truly this is how we're going to bring peace into this world. Let's start giving. We can make it a brighter day. At the concert, Bob Dylan, who was one of the star, stars that were singing, he pressed onto the press and he says, I feel very uncomfortable singing this song. And the reporters asked him back, so Bob, what is it that makes you feel so uncomfortable about singing that song? He said, well, I tell you why. Because man cannot save himself. No matter how much we give, man cannot save himself. And in here lies the truth. What is it that we think about how do we bring peace into this world? How do we view Jesus as being our peace? Is it a transaction? Is it there's something missing so I will transact with you? I will give you something in return for something? Life is complex. Really complex. It's It's not easy. And we have always how to address this question about how do we make peace? So this morning, briefly with the time that is left, I want to talk about the need, the way, the result, and the mission of shalom in our world today. Here at Gateway Church too. So let's look at first the need for shalom. Why? Why do we need peace? Uh, A lot of people would say, why we need to be reconciled with God. 
So that's why we need a savior. We need to get right with him. Uh, Again, verse 22 says, He, Jesus himself, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death to present you and I blameless and above reproach before him. In other words, we are in no condition of presentability before the eternal God. We are not. Not by ourselves. We are broken. We're blemished good. We're blemished good. We're not presentable. You see, you and I, we can decide how to fix ourselves. And we do that very often. And we're very good at that. And we can actually just dress up or just do something kind to someone, just being loving to someone. And we think we have done our job. And so now we are presentable unto the eternal God. But the truth is, we are unreconciled human race. We are. And you can discuss it however you want to try to make mitigate with that truth. But the truth is we are unreconciled before the eternal God. We are sinners. Call it what it is. We're broken. And there is a need for a savior. There is a need for a savior. Because it's not you and I who will save ourselves. We cannot save the world. We cannot. So that's the simple truth, the need. We need a savior. You and I are not the Messiah. There's only one true Messiah. So let's talk about the way. So how do we deal about the way of Shalom? Paul says in verse 20 in Colossians chapter 1. So here's the way. And through him, that is Jesus, he to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making Shalom. By the blood of his cross. Let me just kind of break it down in a simple story that we read in the Gospel of Mark. And I want to explain that to you how that looks, what it looks like. In Mark chapter 5, in the Gospel, there was a woman who had been sick for about 12 years and had a flow of blood. She had spent all of her savings on doctors, on medication faith healers, and decided that she's going to go up to Jesus and she's going to touch. Jesus. So in Mark chapter 5, verse 28, we read the following. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, immediately, the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What is this all about? What happened in this story in Mark chapter 5? This woman was unclean. And she was not allowed to go into the temple. Because she was unclean. And if you had a flow of blood. You had to be healed. There's no other way that she would qualify. To even enter in the particle. Or into the temple. Because she was deemed to be unclean. She had a hemorrhage for over 12 years and she couldn't get cured. She tried desperately wanting to be better. And as a result, she was denied to walk into the presence of her family, her community, her church for years. Ritually unclean. And when you are ritually unclean, declared, even if you would touch someone, you would make that person unclean. 
So she, for 12 years, she was denied to be in the presence of family, her community, her neighborhood, and her temple. And can you imagine how many dreams have gone south with her? How many hopes she had had probably for something and, and it didn't happen? COVID has done that. We know for some of you will know what that means to be isolated when you wanted to go and visit and you were not allowed to get into the hospital or into daycare. And so she said, I'm going to go up to the one who's going to heal me. But then she was discouraged by everyone around her. She says, you want to go and touch the rabbi? Who do you think you are? So she, and quietly, she would sneak up and she would touch the tip or the bottom of the garment of Jesus. And when she reached that moment of connecting with the eternal God in her desperation, wanting to be set in shalom, in peace with everyone, says in Mark 5, 34, when she did it, Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace go in shalom and be healed of your disease Jesus made this woman presentable he restored her back to the flow of life he completed what no one else could do for her she had spent everything she had desiring, wanting to be part of the community. Jesus completed and he offered her shalom. Just for a moment there and your thoughts. Some of you are in that place probably right now. You just say, God, I just need, I need your touch. I need your touch upon my life. I need a miracle. And I just encourage you, reach out to him right now. Just say, Father, I'm coming to you and I'm touching you. In my spirit, in my, your spirit, I'm praying for that miracle. Would you do it? Would you do it? Thank you, Jesus. So let me talk about the result. What happens when you are touched or when you are in the place of shalom with the one who has made you complete? There's a result. Now let me just explain here again with a little bit of an anecdotal story. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, we have the Ancestry.com 101 of Jesus. So this is where we find Jesus' gene genealogy, where he comes from. Within... If you have time, if you want to read it, all the names, go ahead. You can do that. Um, there are some questionable names in the genealogy of Jesus that show up. Um, there are four women. Um, Tamar, she was an incest survivor in Jesus' genealogy. Bathsheba, she was an adulteress with David. Rahab, she was a prostitute. And Ruth, well, she was a pagan Moabite. And somehow Matthew slips in these, these names of these individuals that were scandalous in sin 
They were in their culture viewed as nobodies. And he slips those names in and he says, if you want to know with whom Jesus identifies with, it takes scandalous grace to address scandalous sin. And when Jesus makes it well, he doesn't ask you, where do you come from? Who are you? What have you done wrong? What are all the sins that you have done? It doesn't matter because scandalous grace, the result of peace is scandalous grace in scandalous circumstances of life. And if you have been believing lies about who you are and what you have done, and you're falling off the grid in someone else's books, I want you to know that the results of shalom is complete wholeness. He puts you back in the flow of life. And the results that you have now are scandalous. Because we have a scandalous God who we worship. Who when he gives peace... Because he is peace. He does it not just holding back a little bit. He gives everything he has for you and me. To bring us back into the flow of life. A scandalous God. Now here's. If we would just stay there. And we would say well that feels wonderful. That's wonderful. The fact is. Is that you and I were called always to be on a mission of shalom. So. This brings us back to the story of the Wimbledon in, 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 in uh, the Live AIDS concert. Um, when, when they were singing, we are the world, we are the children, we are going to make this a better place. The truth is, none of us is capable of actually bringing peace. If we're talking about the mission of peace, none of us is capable of doing it on our own terms. Unless we have had that done in our lives first. You cannot give shalom. You cannot complete. You cannot restore other people's lives unless you have received it first. And I want you to know that this morning, some of you, you've been wondering if you really belong or if you have received that shalom of Jesus in your life. And I'm inviting you, surrender your life to this Jesus who is scandalous who will restore you back to fullness. And I'm inviting you to be on a mission with Jesus. This is the season of great anticipation where he is calling you and me once again back into the flow of life. And if you have been set free and you've been given redemption and wholeness has come into your life, then you are on a mission with Jesus. Then you are on a mission with Jesus. So peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it's an intentional move in bringing all of creation back into the flow for which God created his creation for his glory. And we get become partners with him now in bringing all of creation back to unto him. So I'm going to finish reading this morning a couple of verses out of the book of the letter of Ephesians chapter 4, because we're going to say, so how do I do this? How can I be what I would call a shalom maker? How can I do this? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, I, Paul, therefore, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, and I urge you to walk, here it is, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 
with all humility, all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, and here it is, in the bond of shalom, with the mortar, <laughs> if you want to call that, gluing everything back together, you do that in the bond of peace. Paul is not saying that he's a prisoner in sitting in, an, in, a, in a cell somewhere in a dungeon, but he is a prisoner of the Lord because he is Lord and he, he, he's the ruler of his life. And when the eternal God becomes the ruler of your life, then you are set free and you are now serving him. And the cause for which he has created you. My question to you this morning as we're going to bring this to a close. And as we are being invited to become shalom makers. Here are a couple things that you may want to think about out of the text from Ephesians. So how can I do this? How can I make this happen? Practically speaking, not just by giving more gifts to someone. But not just by being kind. No, how about, how about just being more humble? Is that possible? Can you to a certain degree actually ask, Father, I want to ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, would you give me some sense of humility? And some of you may be in a posture of having to reconsider something that you have said, and you would say, I need to take a different posture on this one. I need to become more humble. Then you become a shalom maker. What, what about gentleness? Maybe you just are truly tired and you're losing your cool with your wife, with your spouse, or whatever that is, with your children. And you start kicking doors and all kinds of stuff. How about if you're going to just say, Holy Spirit, would you give me a little bit more gentleness? Would you help me just to be a little bit more genteel? <laughs> Not just gifting someone with a gift. No, in the way you speak, in the way you live your life. How about patience? It's a big one. Just to, if you waited long enough for something, but now you say, I'm done. I'm kicking doors. <laughs> I'm done. I have no more patience for you. How about this Christmas season? You were just going to say, Holy Spirit, would you be a shalom maker in my life when it comes to being more patient? Whatever that looks like for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to indicate that to you. How about this one? Bearing with one another in love. <laughs> That's a tough one. Strained relationships at home, at work. There are strained relationships in your life, probably even here in the church. There's cultural and ethnic differences. You want to be on mission with Jesus? Then you need to bear one another in love. How about that? Just do that. Work on that. And the last one, Paul talks about eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's not unusual in relationships and homes and families and churches um, that during the time of waiting, you become impatient and there's labeling happening. There's people are calling out on other people and there's preferential treatments that could happen and you feel like kind of a second chair you're not in the leadership and you feel like so here we go here we go again yeah how about just in that aspect in that spirit where you would say holy spirit i want to be a shalom maker in this season help me to 
eagerly maintain the unity in the spirit. It's not always going to be the same way it used to be. But in the season of anticipation, Holy Spirit, I pray right now, would you give me a certain degree more understanding what it means to be united in the spirit? All right. I know that the spirit of God is working here right now and and reminding you of certain things. I'm going to ask Peter just to come forward here. And um, as he leads us into the closing of this morning, um, just hold on to some of the things that the spirit of God is prompting in your heart. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.